Welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Diane. And my name is Pete. Woohoo! And we're back again on our regular schedule. Yeah, Sunday, right? Yes. There's breaking news. I just watched um, the Microsoft E3 press conference mm-hmm. unveiling their new console. Yes. Which is very confusingly named the Xbox One X. Box Say One that. X. Fast. Box One X. I feel like I just get stuck in a loop. Yes. And uh, to people out of the loop, the reason it's confusing is they've already released an Xbox, and then they released another one called an Xbox 360, and then they released a third Xbox called the Xbox One, and, and that's confusing. And then they released another one called the Xbox One S, and now on the market is an Xbox One X. And I just did a quick search to try to find some information about it to share on the podcast. And mm-hmm. um, it was hard to find it because it's getting drowned out by the other two products already, right? Maybe it'll change when it releases, but like if you're trying to find information on just the one model, like they're all named so similar. That's kind of mm-hmm. confusing. Right? Yes, I, I really don't know what the logic is behind that. But I did find one article, The Verge... Saying it's starting price four hundred and ninety nine US dollars. Um so I'm only can assume that's probably yeah, gonna be around seven hundred Canadian for us. Yay. <laughs> so good luck to my friend who's gonna pick it up, but I, I'm going to pass. Most likely, yes. Um yeah. Anyway, that's that's the weird news that just popped up. It's a Sunday. It's a hot day in June. Mm-hmm. Beautiful weather. Um, let's let's do what we normally do, and let's talk a little bit about what happened this week. Yes, I'm finally liking the nicer weather that we're getting because it has been raining a whole lot, which you know, rain is great, uh, but we've had like an inundation of it, and I particularly I play frisbee once a week. And it's really nice if it doesn't rain on the day I have Frisbee because occasionally they uh, stop the games or call off the games uh, because they don't want us to destroy the fields uh, when they're wet. Uh, But this week it was raining and they didn't call off the game and I was really kind of hoping they would because it was very wet out there. Uh, And indeed I got to the field and it started to rain and it was a steady downpour for uh, maybe the first uh, three to four minutes of the game. Yeah. So we're already wet from the warm up, and we're playing, starting to play this game. I'm like, this is going to be really miserable. Mm-hmm. And then you get into it, and we finish the point, and it's like, oh hey, it stopped raining. So you kind of start to dry off a little bit, and yeah. play the rest of the game, no rain. So it turned out okay. Yeah. Now we have a beautiful weekend. Yes. So warm. Um, definitely yes. a tease for the summer to come. We're already thinking about cottage plans and all that just because it's, it's, it's in the mind, you know? Definitely. And really nice to have nice weather on a weekend when we have time to go outside and enjoy it and sit on the balcony mm-hmm. um, and go for bike rides and that kind of thing. So, yay, summer. Or spend a lot of time inside playing around with a brand new piece of equipment that I bought this week. Uh, so my birthday's coming up. It's next week. 
Um, and uh, yeah, we were talking about earlier, I believe we mentioned on the podcast too, that this year it's time to get a good sound system so we can start listening to music again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, I had a really good situation. I ended up going to 2001 audio video. I used to make fun of those guys because it's like, that makes it sound like they have vintage stuff now. Like, yes, what's yes. 2017, guys? What kind of technology are you selling, right? Mm-hmm. Like stuff from 16 years ago? Great. Well, and I used to remember they had this silly jingle on the radio. Oh, every time <laughs> I tell someone I went to 2001 audio video, they sing the jingle at me. It happened with my brother, it happened with my cousin, and it happened with another guy at work. Nice. Nice. And it's just like, I've never heard this jingle. I guess I don't listen to the radio enough, but mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious. That, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, props out to them. Um, I, did, I did like them because um, the sales staff are specifically one sales guy who was a, an older, I want to say Japanese, just because he reminded me of your father. Mm-hmm. Like he looked so much like him and he seemed like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, pro- probably not. I don't know. Um, but he was really patient, um, and he wasn't putting any pressure on me to buy things. And he didn't do what I got when I went to Bay Blur Radio. Um, yes. And we had talked about going there together and maybe dressing up a mm-hmm. little bit. Because I had gone there in the past, and they sort of look you up and down and go, you don't have enough money to be here, and basically brush you off so you don't get any service. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not the case with uh, these guys, and... Um, yeah, it was great. I, I enjoyed what I was hearing and I was, it's so hard, man, trying to pick out a sound system. You just have a wall of receivers and there's so many different brands, but at the same time, like this Xbox thing, it's like you got the, the Yamaha SR851 or do you want the SR852? We just got the XL487, but you might want to get the Z583. What do you think, honey? Oh, my goodness. Where do you begin with that? Exactly. So I started with just uh, finding some speakers I liked. Um, and I still wasn't entirely sold on it because they were playing like 80s music through it, like uh, divas and keyboards. Okay, yep. And that's not really what I normally listen to. <laughs> so um, I, I asked him, I was just like, can I like come back tomorrow with like a disc of some of my material or a USB? Because these things have USB connections now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so I came back the next day, tried out uh, some more receivers on the speakers I liked, and I came out with something really nice. And I got a Father's Day special for it too, which was really cool. Sweet and on sale. Yeah. So thanks, kids. Wait. That does, that's not how it works. Thanks, dads. Um, how? What are your first impressions so far of this system? Um, it's uh, pretty crazy. The first, <laughs> the first thing was that weird little antenna thingy that I called the nipple because it's basically <laughs> shaped like one. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know what it was for at first, but there's this little thing that looks like that. Um, it has a cord that you can plug in, and you basically sit down with it where you would want to optimize your sound and press a button and all the speakers make weird noises, um, that that little nub, which is actually a microphone, picks up mm-hmm. the noises and decides all the right volume for all your speakers. Um, thing is, 
I got a 7.1 system, but I only got two speakers, so that test was very short. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, beep, 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 and a beep, beep, beep. I was like, yeah, we're good. I'm sure the machine um, itself was like, uh, that's, that's and it? And that is all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's nice because I know I can expand on it. Um, and as it is right now, it does, it does sound very nice. Um, like I've only been listening to music through headphones or through our sound bar on the television. And it's, it is great on headphones, but sometimes, you know, you just want to do something creative in the apartment and have some music on in the background. Yeah, definitely. Get yourself in that mood, right? Well, I feel like you as a musician, as a musician yourself should have a decent sound system. Yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) Or it is, it has, it has happened. So I'm so glad. I'm glad that this uh, plan came together. Yeah. And it seems to be good. seems to be good. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep updates on that. This is like day one, mm-hmm. so we'll see. Um, you sparked an, a, a thought in my mind with your uh, comment on dressing up because we did get dressed up this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I am funded by a scholarship at York that was generously donated by the Elia family. And it was Marciano Elia who originally uh, set up this scholarship and uh, basically, um, I guess it's maybe about four students get it every year. And it's a scholarship that runs all four years of your PhD. So it's quite a prestigious scholarship that uh, you get. And we're quite a close-knit group of students that have received the scholarship because we see each other usually once a year. Mm-hmm. They have a dinner for us and they invite the family and they invite us and we're able to get together and interact and really share our appreciation, but also share about what kind of work we're doing. And everyone is doing such diverse, different things. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. uh, Which is really neat. Um, So this year, the granddaughter of the original Elia benefactor Mm -hmm. um, was participating or making a film that was featured in the Italian Contemporary Film Festival. So rather than have us have a dinner... Uh, York was partnered and involved in the production of this movie, yeah. I guess supporting it. Uh, they were going to have a viewing of the film followed by a reception. So we were invited. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah, it felt very special to be a part of that. It was kind of nice to... It was. To feel, uh, I don't know, important or schmoozy or something. I don't know. There were some A-listers there. Uh, former mayor of Mississauga, Hazel McCallion, was in the audience, who you don't know, but I know her. <laughs> yeah, that's A-list. Uh, there was a senator uh-huh. and uh, an MPP. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> big names. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, but it was um, just a really neat film talking about kind of the immigrant experience. And they were specifically focused on the experience that Italian Canadians might have. But I think that the themes and ideas that they brought forward probably experienced by a lot of immigrants. Yes. Certainly in that period right after the war. Yeah. I do, I do think it, the intention eventually was to, to talk about just multiculturalism in all of Canada. Mm-hmm. Not just Italian Canadians. Yeah. No, it's um, neat. Um, and yeah, they focused a lot on that vendor. Uh, was it Marco? Franco. Franco. Yeah, Franco. Franco Roscoe. Franco Roscoe, who used to be a, a popcorn vendor, but he also had like balloons and just a whole bunch of trinkets. 
that kind of looked he like he would best equate now with a dollar store. Yes. Yes. But it's like he was the original like dollar store in Canada by a, well, in Toronto in a by a yeah, an Italian Canadian. Yes. So it was kind of neat to get that story cuz I'm sure I've seen this guy before. Yes, a fixture of the Little Italy community. Um and yeah, he has passed away. So it was nice to sort of have a I guess a bit of a biography in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie had a whole bunch of things going on in it. Yes, it did. There's a number of things they were trying to cover. Including what was really crazy. Uh, again, I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast. We've been doing it for years, so it's possible we brought it up in a really old episode. But the was it last year or was it two years ago that we went to the scholarship dinner and they were filming it? Um, 2015 in okay, the fall. two years ago. So I don't know if we would have been podcasting at no, that point. we wouldn't have. Um, but yeah, boom, Diane's in the movie, in the what? background. <laughs> I remember you whispering to me, hey, are you going to be in this? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember signing anything. Oh, maybe I did yes, sign something. Yes, we did. I remember <laughs> signing something for that. And now that I think about it, I was there. And, you know, you sign a paper saying, oh, are you okay being shown in a film? And you're like, yes, whatever, sign my name, blah, blah, blah. Not yeah. thinking that two years later... It'll ever happen, yeah. <laughs> you're in a theater and you see your face. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be put into a movie. I thought it would just be like some kind of promotional That's video for too. York or for the scholarship. Like, look at our students and mm-hmm. how great they are. You can join the scholarship or come to York University where we do cool things. Well, and we were in the new engineering building, so I didn't yeah. know if they were doing filming to promote that. Yeah. Uh, no, so but it is second time I've been featured in a documentary. That's right. First time was last year. That's right. Also about multiculturalism. We did talk about that um, on the podcast. And I did not have a sound speaking part, but there was clearly me giggling in a shot. <laughs> That's what you're good at. Yeah, which I think encompasses me. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that was a little bit of fun. We watched the movie. We went over to a reception, open bar, hors d'oeuvres. Really good roast beef. Yeah, great roast beef. Um, Delicious. Yeah. I think I missed um, really interacting with the other Elias scholars because there was maybe three of us there that I found. Yeah. Me and two others. Yeah. We only really talked to that one couple, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of missed that aspect of the kind of yearly get together. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was all in all, you know, so celebrating the Elia family and an, a specific member of that family. So I'm cool with that as yeah. well. No, yeah, it's nice. It was nice to go to mm-hmm. sort of like a private party almost. It's true. A big I invitation. Did, I did feel very special. So thank and you. And we dressed, dressed up and it was fun. Yeah. Thank you for taking me to that. Oh, no problem. I get to bring a guest. I love bringing guests. <laughs> I love being your guest. <laughs> um, so would you like to hear my first story or we got more for this week? No, I'd love to hear your first story. Okay, so I thought I would give you um, a bit of an amusing story, but this sort of relates to one of our common interests. You remember a while ago we did a trip from Vancouver to Edmonton, and uh, in that trip we decided to make a little stop off at Drumheller to see some dinosaur bones. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I discovered you actually have quite an interest in this, I guess. So this article on the CBC News really struck me as interesting. Okay. Did you already see this? You're giving no. me a face. No. Oh, okay. I'm very curious as to where this is going. It's actually from May. 
May 18th, so it's, it's a little bit old now, but... Okay. Um, so apparently, here's the slogan, farting, peeing dinosaurs come to the Manitoba Museum. Awesome. <laughs> How did so, you find this? <laughs> I don't know. It came up in one of my searches, so that just tells you a lot about me, I guess. Ah, so this world giant dinosaur display, it runs until September 4th. Mm-hmm. Um... And it's, yeah, it's at the Manitoba Museum. Okay. So what it is, is essentially they've built two, they're like robotic dinosaurs that actually like move. Oh, neat. And it's sort of the idea of like you getting a better idea of, I guess, how they existed in the world. So they'll have like a little display. Mm-hmm. But the two, <laughs> the two very specifically interesting ones is they have one, I'm going to try to find the actual name of it, um, where basically, yes, it shoots water out of itself much like a fountain okay into a pool mm-hmm. so it is a moving fountain okay it's just that the water's been colored yellow <laughs> and uh <laughs> why is it this, colored yellow yeah Pro- protoceratops cool the protoceratops that urinates on command was built specifically for the exhibit imagine in like a water fountain he said Adding the press of a button makes the protoceratops urinate into a pond that's filled with yellow food coloring. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just thought this was a really bizarre um, article. Um, and I guess this, there's this guy, and, and it is funny too because we've been watching a lot of Friends recently, and, and right. Ross is really into, you know, dinos and mm-hmm. bones and all that archaeology stuff. Uh, and yeah, this guy is just really excited about dinosaurs, and he, and he talks about how Jurassic Park is like his favorite movie, and it was his dream to make a lifelike dinosaur, so his goal was to make these two, one that pees and one that farts. So nice. there you have it. If you want to see it yourself, it's, uh, yeah, the Manitoba Museum until September 4th, 2017. Woo! Article on CBC News. Nice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> well, that's interesting. I'm just wondering, I get, I get peeing. Peeing is a normal thing, but farting, they wanted a dinosaur that could fart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird cause they don't really talk about it in the article. Oh, as, okay. And I almost wonder if it's just like, that's like clickbait cause it got me right on I cbc.ca. Really? I think I was looking CBC. at, I was looking at something else and this was in the, like, you might also, also enjoy, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, so it worked because the tagline says that there's a dinosaur peeing and farting. It's like, what the heck is that? I got to see that. But the article itself doesn't really talk about the farting. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just like there's a room that smells. I, I don't know, to try to get the, s- the scent of dinos. Hmm. Um, I don't have more info on that. They talked more about the fountain. It is cool to make a replica of a dinosaur that actually, you know, like moves. So you can get an idea of what they would have looked like walking around. I mean, you have an idea because they're probably similar to other animals that look like them, but still kind of neat to really see what they would have moved about Mm. like. I remember now how I got to this article. Okay. There was recent news actually that they found like an old, uh, an old uh, dino bird encapsulated in, um, yeah, here we go. Stunning fossil reveals prehistoric baby bird caught in amber. Um, this was June 9th, 2017. So that's when I would have saw it. Um, but yeah, they discovered like uh, a basically recently hatched bird was covered 
uh, was uh, fossilized in amber. Crazy. And like the whole time I was reading this article, I felt kind of bad because it's like, <laughs> like the the bird basically didn't have a life, right? Like True. it got out and then it fell into a pool of sap, and <laughs> then it was destroyed with the rest of civilization. Um, but that's another neat article. It's on cbc.ca as well. They have, uh, the guys did like x-rays on it in the amber. They don't want to remove it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had like their department make a 3D rendering of what they think this bird would look like. Okay. So that's kind of neat. It sort of looks like a cross between a dinosaur and like a robin we would see today. So they're sort cool. of, I guess, treating it as a bit of a missing link, you know, between right. the two. Types of birds, avian mm-hmm. creatures, dinosaurs, whatever. Did they? I'm sorry if I missed this. Uh, mention where? This is this is also CBC. Oh no, this is actually the Washington Post. What? And and where was the fossil found? Oh, where that found? Uh, Burma. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Like Asia. Quite different. Yep. Cool. I would try to pr- pronounce what kind of group they said it is, but I, there's just too many syllables. I think that's okay. Yeah. I'm always fascinated because, you know, I'm a, I'm a scientist and I make kind of interesting little discoveries or figure out new things in my field, but they're not big, like, I wouldn't say no. they're like mind-blowing things or things that are going to drastically like alter anything they're providing further information about certain processes. But when you find like a totally new um, species or animal that can provide this bridge or this link that's totally going to kind of alter the pathway from dinos to modern birds, that's that's really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. But look at it this way. I'm sure these people who've worked here, it's like, oh my goodness, we finally have a discovery. And they may have been running that lab for 50 years. That's true, yeah. And... Even better, only people listening to this podcast probably even know about it, (laughs) which is not many, right? So it still wasn't like huge news. It's not like you heard it in your Facebook streams or anything. So, I mean, give yourself a half pat on the back or a depressing pat and then a sigh or something like, yeah, I don't know. The news is dominated by media. Like, what are the Kardashians up to? So until you do a study on that, I don't I don't know that you'll make a, a big thing that'll make a big smash into the community. Oh well I'm not I'm not <laughs> even saying make a big smash into the community. I know we're uh, just out on the side and no one cares what we right, do. Right. I'm just saying that this is kind of like a major piece of the puzzle. I feel like I am putting in little pieces of the puzzle oh, in my I field, see. and this feels like a big giant hunk of puzzle that's being yeah. dropped down. So that's what I'm saying, just in terms of like impact in that specific field. Yeah. Um, but in the same way yeah. that you're saying that, it's good that you're doing the little things because if you just get a chunk of a giant puzzle, that just gives you way more questions you have to answer, right? Well, yeah. It doesn't okay. bring them any closer to you getting a real answer. Now they have more questions and they have more work to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're actually doing the cleanup business of figuring out what's going on now <laughs> with us and how we fix this little problem. It's a good way of putting it. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket in case there I have to go. explain that to someone. What do you do? I'm really just fixing up. Someone <laughs> discovered this, and they were like, ooh, this hormone is great. And now I'm trying to figure out what it does. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that was Dino Talk. <laughs> nice. 
I have a very good contrasting story. Okay. Sports World. Nice. Um, and also most of my information was from cbc.ca because nice. it concerns a Canadian and her name is Gabriella Dabrowski and she is the first female Canadian tennis player to oh. win a major tennis title. Wow. And she won it playing mixed doubles at the French Open. Oh. Yeah. Is this like just yesterday or something? Uh, or? This was last week. Okay. Because uh, they just had the finals for like the men's and women's. So the finals for the doubles and the mixed doubles are prior to the big main event. Uh, but she's 25 years old from Ottawa originally. And yeah, just made Canadian tennis history. Because no Canadian man or male or female has mm-hmm. ever won a major tennis title. Hmm. We've had some people come close because we have Milos Ranoch right now and Eugenie Bouchard, who are pretty good. Uh, oh, no, that's a lie. Um, Daniel Nestor and, and two other men have won major titles playing doubles. It's a good thing you corrected yourself. I was just about to tell you you were wrong. Nice. No, I have no <laughs> idea. No Sorry. Idea. So males have won titles before in doubles. Daniel Nestor is in the tennis world, very well known for his doubles play, and he's won Olympic gold medals as well. Yeah. Um, but female-wise, this is our first one, so that's exciting. And her partner is from India, which is also very cool because wow. they do not have a big tennis uh, showing or following. Huh. Uh, but it's really cool that someone from India won a major title as well. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, both of those areas, those aren't places that have like a ton of tennis courts they must like train elsewhere right probably once they get very big they probably go and train elsewhere yes india is very uh pro cricket (laughs) yeah um and canada we do have facilities and like there's the big aviva center at york university that i know because i see it Mm -hmm. most days um but certainly um, like, you know, climate wise, you want to train somewhere where you can train all year round. Yeah. So I know there's players from Scotland that train not in Scotland. Well, you also want to have the same like ground, right? Like you want your ball to bounce the right way. Like, right. And this is a clay court. So you want to have experience playing on clay courts. Like I remember when I was a kid, I was just dominating a basketball on the net at my you know, parents' house back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I joined a league and was playing on like a school gymnasium, these, their, their uh, rims were like solid. So if you couldn't just like hit a certain part of the backboard and it just sort of like rolled in, which I could do all the time at home. Uh-huh. It was like I had to relearn the game. And that's when, you know, I was working with the coach and they're like, no, you never use the backboard. I was like, what? I thought the backboard was part of the game. It's like, no. Never use the backboard. He taught me that. It's like, you must always use just the rim. No, never use the backboard. Just like you're supposed to get swishes all the time. What? And if you're using the backboard, you're doing it wrong. But when you go for a layup, you're supposed to hit the backboard. Oh, layups, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wanted us to dunk, I guess. I don't know. Interesting. We were like four feet tall, but that's fine. I'm losing confidence in your coach. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long time ago, but I did take that to heart, and actually, I use that now when I when I go out and play. It's like I'm not trying to use, like, the difference is when I was at home when I was a young kid. I would like I would constantly use the board, and I was playing it like pool. 
essentially. Okay. I learned how to bounce off all the different angles mm-hmm. to get it in when there are certain angles you just can't do off of a board because it'll just it'll just go flying, right? Like it'll bounce yes. funny and it'll just it, it'll it doesn't like the the one in the, at my parents' house it it almost like was a I don't know how to describe it. Like when to hit shock the board, absorber? yeah, it absorbed the shock, and then it kind of just dropped mm. right in front of it. So it, you could get some really creative shots as long as you hit the board in the right spot <laughs> and the right spin. And I got really good at it. It would go in, and I was doing all these cool trick shots. And it's like bring that to a real basket. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. Okay. So this is the point. Let's back I up. I see what you're talking Tennis about. Tennis players who um, might be training on different soil or whatever it's called. Quartz? Uh, yeah. But it's got different mm-hmm. humidity. It's got different temperatures. Like if you're playing in India or you're playing in Canada, it's going to be very different than I'm assuming the French Open. So it does make sense that they would have to train somewhere and get really good at that kind of thing. That was my point. You follow? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> the other thing is they can think they're really good, and they probably were amazing in their country. It's it's quite an accomplishment to also be able to compete against other countries where the best of their best, and there's a lot of competition to be the best. They still, like, did better than them. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite the accomplishment. Yeah. No, this is, like, this is a world major tennis tournament. Nice. This is this is huge. I love that we've informed our audience about such major breakthroughs today. Yeah, I'd never heard of this person until I read about her this week. Nice. So that's pretty awesome. I like how uh, tennis is really you know we're kind of we're building the game here. It's nice. It's nice to see. I remember going to the Rogers Cup with my dad last year, mm-hmm. and it's now at this big tennis facility at York University. And my dad said, "I remember when it was just off at some you know tennis club, and it wasn't." wasn't huge and it was just you know a few people that like tennis that would go and now you know it's the rogers cup and it's um got a following and there was a ton of people there and you know there's a whole big stadium that's you know it's not full packed full of people but you know we're really building a sport here and that's kind of cool Mm -hmm. i like to see that building sport any sport yeah, when do you think ultimate's going to be a thing? <laughs> it's slowly working its way up and I I've had interesting I've been thinking about ultimate because we you are trying it. to make I play it, but we are trying to make this push to see ultimate in the Olympics and I've been reading articles yeah. where they're not sure what the format is going to be because when you have an Olympic sport, you have to have some kind of officiating yes. and the whole core of ultimate is to not have officiating. Yes, it's self-managed. Yeah. Um, the pros do play with observers, like a efficient. Um, yeah. And I was also just thinking the fun kind of neat thing about Ultimate is it's a very, it's almost like a close-knit family. And you, we almost know everyone that plays Ultimate in Toronto or you recognize them. And they all know your brother. And they all, yeah, a lot of them know my brother. He's very well known. Yeah. Um, but you go to different leagues and you recognize people and you've seen them and you go... Um, play university ultimate and you see the same people and you play league and different leagues in the fall or the winter and you meet up and you see all these different people. Um, and it's really kind of, you know, close knit like that. And as ultimate gets bigger, you're going to lose that aspect of it. And it's going to become like other sports where there's just huge leagues and there's a league over on this side of the city and a league over on this side of the city. And you don't really see them all the time. And yeah. it just kind of, it just grows 
huge. Like I know players that play ultimate in South Korea. Yeah. And like, we specifically know those people Yeah, and other people will go and be like, yeah, I played with them there. Right. Whereas, you know, if you played soccer and you said, yeah, I went to go play with some soccer players in South Korea, they'd be like, okay, that's great. I have no idea who that would be. But wait, are you Matt's sister? (laughs) (laughs) We're like legit. It's just cool that we have that connection. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm excited because I think ultimate is a very cool sport. So I'm excited to see it grow, but at the same time, a little bit sad because we'll obviously lose that bit of connectivity, maybe a little bit. Yeah. But I I mean, it's young, it's a young sport. I think you're going Mm -hmm. to see it transform within your lifetime. Like you should be excited Mm -hmm. about this. Like for me, NBA didn't exist in Canada when I was a kid. That's true. And I got to see that turn into a franchise team, which Mm -hmm. did not start strong and and suffered for quite some time. And then it got its first super all-star player, started getting recognized. And then eventually we started making playoffs and we've been in the Mm -hmm. playoffs quite a few years in a row now. And it's like, Oh yeah, Toronto. And there was so there were so many years that no one would join our team. I know because they're like, I don't want to go all the way to Toronto because it's cold and Whoa. terrible. Yeah. So you you might see this league grow within your lifetime. I think that's totally likely. Oh, your kids definitely. might play in the league. Who knows? I know it would be crazy. Um. Yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, what will happen. Yeah. And I'll still keep playing in my little leagues. Well, of course, it's. Um, it's a good sport overall. I mean, you did break your foot at it, but otherwise it's pretty safe, right? Yeah, and I'm encouraged because a lot of the people I'm playing with right now are parents. And they're still playing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to want to be active. Yeah, there's a lot of older people too. Mm-hmm. So it's and encouraging to, to see that. And, you know, dogs are welcome by the fields. Kids are always welcome by the fields. Yeah. So it's cool. That's another thing. As it grows... It, it'll be interesting to see if that mentality stays or mm. if that starts to change. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that can happen too with things that you love that are kind of like, I don't know, uh, not super cool or known by everybody. It's like your own mm-hmm. little magic thing. And, uh, as it grows in popularity, it starts to get, I don't know, it starts to change. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun to see, see as it grows, see where it goes. Wow. That rhymed. <laughs> I'm just such an artist. Very good. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think we should call this episode Major Breakthroughs. Ooh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, if anyone else has any major breakthroughs they want to share with us, send us an email at ordinarydaypodcast at gmail.com. And we'd like to thank Field Processor. Be sure to check them out on Friday nights. They have a Twitch Twitch stream. Yeah, that's a weird word. Twitch stream. Fieldprocessor.com. There you go. I should just say that. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Take one more for for the the road. road.